Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whatever is going on in your life, BetterHelp could be a great option for you. BetterHelp is convenient, flexible, affordable therapy that's custom built for you. And best of all, it's 100% online so you don't have to leave the comfort of your home. And finding the right person is just as easy. Just fill out a short questionnaire and it'll match you with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for any reason at no additional charge. Look, we all have stuff we're carrying around. And finding someone that you can just talk to, a professional to just talk through it, it really truly helps. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, today for 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash dogs. Yo, Dog Pack is Kenny Mack. Hall of Fame weekend is going to be a dog pound party. So book your vacay, grab your cooler, and your Browns gear for this four-day Joe Thomas party. And we can watch our four-stringers kick somebody else's four-stringers' butts. Let's go, Brownies, and let's kick this off. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Rineker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbooks. Please bet responsibly. I had to give up betting because I just kept losing. <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe get back into it, but I ran out of free bets, and I was like, I can't do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get your intro on the show, head to thedogspodcast.com, tap leave voicemail on the drop-down menu. Uh, today, we have a very special guest who's going to be joining us right after this open. We have Quincy Carrier joining us. If you're watching our show, then I bet you've watched his show at some point, so we're super excited to have him here. Uh, before we get to Quincy, though, I want to remind you guys to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Make sure you tap the notification bell so you never miss a new episode. We've had a bunch of people comment on our videos and message us saying, hey, where have you been? This is the first video we've seen in a yeah, couple weeks. Yeah. We've been posting at least one to three to four videos every week for three years. So... <laughs> Uh, there's something going on where our videos aren't really popping up anymore for some people. Um, so if you, if you're listening to this and you're like, where have these guys been? Make sure you have the notification bell, uh, hit so you get notified when we post a new video. Um, 
You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google if you prefer to just listen to the show. And lastly, if you're looking for more dogs content, head to jointhedogs.com, become an official Dog Pack member on our Patreon page. You get an extra episode every week. Uh, you get access to the private Discord. There's Dog Pack members of the month. We give out free merch all the time. Uh, we've met a couple of these people. I've gone to Browns games with one of them. It's just a good time for everybody. You get access to us more often. Uh, you get access to that Discord, and there's Browns fans in there literally 24-7. So if you need something to get you through a slow offseason, season join the dogs.com become an official dog pack member so as i mentioned in the open we're joined by a very special guest today uh if you're watching our show then you probably needs no introduction but i'm going to give it to him anyways we're super pumped to have quincy carrier here with us uh big browns and just overall cleveland uh content creator on youtube i know we've all been watching since before we even had a show so this is almost kind of like when your fans become your idols kind of thing <laughs> uh, you know like we you know we're getting to meet somebody we've been watching for a long time um you can find quincy on youtube he's also on twitter at quincy so if you're not following him on uh twitter and you haven't subscribed to him on youtube yet make sure you do that uh thanks for being here with us today man no problem. No problem. Make me feel a little old. You know, I, I think I'm uploading every day. I'm not really counting the day, uh, but I guess I have been doing this for a little while. Right. Ooh. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's awesome to have you here. We've been watching your content. So like uh, we've had people in our comments saying, man, Qu you guys should talk to Quincy sometime. You should talk to Quincy. And I was like, I was just kind of right waiting for that right time. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to ask him, see if he wants to do it. Uh, so awesome for being here. Uh, we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Actually kind of a lot of Brown stuff to talk about. So, um, just released, I think it was today or yesterday, the Browns, Andrew Berry coming out and saying that they're going to move on from John Johnson the third. Are you surprised by that at all? Um, I know there was a lot. Of, do you think his poor play was scheme related? Were we playing him out of position? I know a lot of people were talking. They didn't think he was putting in the effort. What, what did you think the issue was? Why it didn't work out here? I think it was a combination of things. I really wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up probably in LA and play well. Um, I think the issue with him was he was signed to take a step in his career, right? To become a more true free safety. And that never really materialized for him in this system to where it, it wasn't what he did well, right? They didn't sign John Johnson to do what John Johnson did previously. They signed John Johnson as a projection of what they felt like he could do in the future. And he just wasn't as capable as they hoped he would be and now they're in a position where you know if they're letting go of him that tells me that they feel really good about um, Grant Delpit in his future with this team um, so that means that they're going to be able to have him replace him for that so uh, it's just one of those things where it just didn't work out I think Grant Delpit I mean not Grant Delpit John Johnson is a good player it just didn't work out here um, and you know you're only going to be as good as the role that you can fulfill and when you're in a role that you can't fulfill then you see stuff happen where you're not as motivated to play you're not giving as much effort on every play and i think some of that showed up with john where he didn't really believe in what he was being asked to do he didn't think that that was the best way for him to be used he wasn't making plays he wasn't feeling good he wasn't like you know the confidence wasn't there anymore um, and when the confidence isn't there, the effort's not going to be the same and, and then you just don't get the same level of play. So it was probably best for both sides. You know, if they didn't want John Johnson to go back to that role, that's going to be similar to what Grant Delpit played. It makes sense for them to move on and for him to move on. So this makes sense. They're going to save money on the cap. Maybe some of that money gets put towards Jesse Bates. Maybe some of that money gets put towards somebody like Jordan Poyer, but the Browns also, 
don't want two strong safeties right now. They want a free safety. So it just it's just kind of the way that things go. And I think it's working out for all sides here that it's, it's coming out like this. I think you kind of saw that from a lot of the guys on the Browns defense. It seemed, especially as we got into the season, it just seemed like they didn't they didn't really believe in what they were being asked to do. I think you kind of saw that from more than what, not just John Johnson. Yeah, and then when you're just not playing good, even if you did believe what you were going to be, uh, what you were asked to do, you stop believing. Like you know, <laughs> when you're giving up 300 yards on the ground to the Bills, like <laughs> you know, what, what am I supposed to believe in, in what I'm being asked to do? Right? Um, Jake Burns talks about this a lot, and I, I tend to agree with him. Um, and he says, you know, we want to talk about like momentum a lot, right? And we talk about momentum as it comes out of thin air. No, momentum is just energy. And where does energy come from? Energy comes from execution. So when you're executing well, you have all the energy in the world, right? Like if you guys, like, I don't know if you guys play a lot of pickup basketball, but it's kind of like that with pickup basketball, right? Where it's like, if you're stink and you're not making your shots, all of a sudden running down the court playing defense, <laughs> like that seems like a big endeavor, right? Like yep, that, that seems yep. like a tiring thing to do. But then let's say if you're making your shots and let's say you set a screen and the guy follows the screen and he takes the cut there and then everything's executing well and you feel like you're a part of success and everybody, all of a sudden it's a breeze getting up and down the court. It's a breeze hustling and all that, right? Energy comes from execution. You'll see sloppy, unmotivated play from any football team that doesn't execute well. And when you are one of the worst defenses in the NFL, you're just not going to get great effort because nobody has energy because absolutely nobody is executing well. And honestly, I would be concerned if somebody had a bunch of energy and they weren't executing well because what do you think you're doing? <laughs> you have this much energy. <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's like with uh, like the people made for the Periot because he did like the scream and yell when they gave up 15 yards, but he made a tackle. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, that. like that that's a part of like you can't just make up energy right you have to play well in order to manifest that and they didn't play well nobody's going to believe what you're they're being asked to do like this has happened with qualified defensive coordinators bad defensive coordinators if you don't execute on the field for whatever reason it is whether it be communication whether it be because your players just don't fit the scheme or your players aren't executing the scheme right you're just not going to get high commitment from the players on the field because human nature tells us, why would I work hard if I ain't working? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that just is kind of how that is. But, uh, no, I completely agree. It's, uh, it's like Justin on the basketball court. He's running around real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any shots. No shots. <laughs> Can't make a shot. A very aggressive defender. Yeah. I've, you know, you're not going to walk it up the court on me. But you I'm feel like you, up, you affected somebody, yeah. right? I'm picking yeah, you, you up. I'm like picking you up at the somebody, other free throw line, and I, you know, you're Look, still I'm probably. Like that. I'm like that too. Yeah, I'll get in front of somebody, and then when I run in front of somebody who can actually play basketball it's, or it's is hurts. actually a good athlete, then I'm like, oh no, nah, I yeah. really ain't doing nothing. Can I, I get a? Guess I'm just yeah. gonna stand on the other side and try to get it easy too. Yeah. Like it just. <laughs> I need that. I need a you know somebody to bring the double team. You know I need a somebody <laughs> come over the top for me. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jesse Bates. That's a name we've heard thrown around. And then you said something like uh, about Jordan Porter. Do you think Jesse Bates fits the what we're gonna want to do defensively, or is there somebody you uh, in mind? I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of springing this on you that you think fits better. I'm not a big fan of Jesse Bates. Um, from what I've seen of him in Cincinnati, I I think he relies a lot 
Um, if you look at his stats and his interception numbers, they're pretty impressive. But if you look at how he gets it, he relies a lot on on eye tracking, right? And that's a good and bad thing. A lot of guys rely on eye tracking, but I think he's a little overly reliant. If you look at the games where people have had success, right, and you don't have to look far to see teams that have had success against the Bengals, it's the Cleveland Browns. Where have those teams been able to have success is if you just look this way, no matter, like, how long, Jesse Beal Bates will go that way, right? Like, that was – I saw it with Kobe Brissett. I saw it with Baker Mayfield. These are not like – it's not like Aaron Rodgers, like, oh, I'm looking them off for Pat Mahomes, no-look level stuff. He's very easy to manipulate with his eye, with your eyes, and I worry about him in this kind of a defense because he's going to have even more space to operate in uh, in a Jim Schwartz defense. And the more space I think you give Jesse Bates, the more people will realize that he's not what the numbers might suggest, right? Where the numbers suggest that he is this Earl Thomas-like, you know, take-it-away guy, where, in, in my opinion, I think he's Earl Thomas, not like, but liked, <laughs> uh, where he does do Earl Thomas stuff, but he's not Earl Thomas. Or it's like, yeah, you try to do Troy stuff, but you're not Troy. The Troy stuff works because Troy has some of the greatest instincts in the world. If you're not that level of player, I worry about that when I see you kind of rely on those things. And that's what I see uh, a heavy reliance in with Jesse Bates is a lot of reliance on, on what the quarterback's eyes are doing instead of just being where he's supposed to in the play. And again, I think this year for what you need at free safety, you don't need that playmaker. You just need somebody who's going to be where they're supposed to be and kind of just uh, um, be the cap on the top of the bottle, right? Like, I don't need you to make the plays. I just need you to stop the leaking when it happens. Yeah, I, I've seen enough blown coverages to last me a lifetime after last year. So <laughs> that's the last thing we need to see. Jesse Bates is not the guy. <laughs> I would say also, Jesse Bates is not the guy who you're going to get less blown coverages with. If you look at Cincinnati's defense before before they decided, and remember, Cincinnati is moving on from him for a reason. Um, and you look at Cincinnati's defense I think the first year of Luana Rumu, they actually gave up the highest amount of plus 20-yard passes in the NFL. And it was mainly because of Jesse Bates. Um, because, again, he'll make a play, he will give up some plays. And, and that's why I think they went with somebody like Dax Hill in the draft because they don't feel like paying Jesse Bates the money because they think that he creates as many problems as he solves. That's my worry with Jesse Bates. I would much rather get somebody boring for free safety. Like Jordan Poyer <laughs> sounds great to me. You know what I mean? Like somebody who is going to be a boring acquisition. We're not going to talk about him a lot, but the less I talk about a free safety in this defense, the better, because unless they're Ed Reed, it, it usually just, you just don't want to be talking about him, right? How many free safeties have we talked about in the last three years? Almost every <laughs> single one of them, not for great reasons, right? That's like, true. Andrew Sadejo, John, John Johnson. It's never a good conversation, really, when you're talking about a free safety, unless they're one of the greats of all time. Um, and Jesse Bates ain't that. And he plays a style to where you're going to talk about him a lot. And I think we're just going to get more of the same there with Jesse. Um, so I wouldn't be a favor of it. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed him, though. He does fit everything that they look for. Okay. Um, so there uh, is some rumblings about a potential new stadium, but maybe not in uh, downtown Cleveland, Ohio. But, you know, I read an article and it basically said, you know, it was quickly built, you know, um, inefficient. What are your thoughts, man? You know, are you are you excited about the potential for maybe a dome or, you know, talk to me about it. 
I think it would make our lives easier if we played indoors. I understand aesthetically it doesn't feel right to some people, but I would just say, have you been in some of these new domes? Like the old domes, I get why people didn't want the old domes, right? The RCA dome, even up to like the Ford Field in, in in Detroit, I don't know if you guys ever been there. It's not like a great environment, right? Like it feels pretty <laughs> sterile. Um, and that's what my opinion of domes were. And then I went to Mercedes-Benz Storm Dome <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was like, you know, this is the way to do it. Uh, like this, it feels great. Uh, it always feels great in there. It's very, very comfortable. It almost ruins all other venues for you. So if you could build something like that, Oh, I'm all for it. Indoor or outdoor, there's ways like, you know, um, I've, I've heard great things about Minnesota Stadium and how they kind of replicate that look there. Um, even things about uh, Indianapolis's dome. You know, mm -hmm. there are ways to do it right. And my thing with whatever new stadium they build, I would prefer it be indoors because, you know, I've been in those stadium in that stadium when it's in, in the late part of the season when the team's not good. And that's just pain for no reason. Right. Like why are we putting people through pain for no reason? Where it's like people don't understand the higher you get up in that stadium, the harsher the winds are and the wind. Like people don't understand this. They're not from the Midwest. The wind is what's cold. It's mm -hmm. not the temperature. 32 is not that cold. Right. But when it's windy in 32 and you're up there and it's 32, it's a horrible experience. Um, and why, if somebody is spending season tickets, why should they be miserable for four games out the year um, when that doesn't have to be an option? Either way, whatever they do, they it can't be a half-assed stadium, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you're going to do a stadium, give it the full build time. Um, now it's going to be weird. Like, I don't know where you would build the the stadium. If it's not going to be in the city of Cleveland, like, I don't know where that would like, are we going to play in Canton? That would, <laughs> that would feel off. That would feel wrong. But like, I honestly, at this point, I want the luck to change. So like, if we got to move the location <laughs> where the stadium is, dude, like this location ain't been working. No, it's, it's all bad juju, man. <laughs> so, it's all bad. I, I, I've been a huge. Well, it, it is good. 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 I just say I just been a huge pro dome guy the last couple of years, and everybody's always in our comments saying, "You, why would you take away that home field advantage for the Browns?" And my pushback always is, "What home field advantage? We we've won one playoff game in my life. So <laughs> I, how much well, of an advantage here, is the cold here, weather?" Here, here's the thing, too. The way the league's going. You, if you're a, a, a northern team that plays in the conditions within a passing league, you're not giving yourself the advantage to win. And if you want proof of that, how many times has Aaron Rodgers been to the Super Bowl despite being one of the most prolific passers of his generation? Yep. And it's mainly because he's so good they get home field advantage throughout <laughs> the playoffs and it burns them like it literally burns them at the end of the day right you don't want to be in a situation where you're like ah damn we got home field advantage now we can't throw the ball <laughs> like that's not what we want i want to be able to have the home field advantage of the crowd the crowd noise the crazy environment the dog pound everything in there but not have to worry about if the conditions we're going to play in um, are going to affect it. And look, I understand people are like, well, we need to build a football team that can win in those conditions. Well, Derek Henry ain't been to an AFC championship game yet. You know what I mean? So, like, it, that that's as much as you could build a team around running the football. That's as far as you can go in today's NFL. You have to be able to throw. And in a passing league, 
you're going to have to be able to pass in the late parts of the season in order to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and what, the team that plays what, in the south, in the most south part of the AFC and did not have home field is the one that went to the Super Bowl in the AFC in like the last 10 years, right? Like that's not a mistake there, right? And even them, they are a pass-heavy team. So it, it's really about setting yourself up for success versus like do we want to keep the 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 cool nostalgic vibes of it's outdoors and it snows and we we play in that cold weather. I'm, we gonna forget about that five years after they built the dome. We ain't gonna <laughs> care about that now one second because you know what's dope about a dome being in the dome. That's and right. The second somebody sits in the dome is like, oh, this is so much better yes. than being outside. That's a it really. Is, it just is, especially these new domes. It's a it's a good point because <clears throat> you think about that Buffalo game, the snow game. You know, they didn't move it to another outdoor, you know, cold weather neutral site to keep the elements. They moved it to a dome. <laughs> yeah, that's a good right? point. And I bet that I bet the Buffalo Bills would have wished that the game they played against Cincinnati in the playoffs was played in a dome. Yeah, dog. For sure. Like, this is, this is, <laughs> like you don't want things that aren't football to affect why you don't win football games. 100%. And every time I see about a tragic Cleveland Browns game, it's because of something to do with the weather. Why did he fumble the ball? It was cold. That ball was hard. Why did uh, John Elway was able to go 99? The defense was cold because they were sitting on the bench for a while. It was negative 30 that day. Why did he check into this? He was cold. It was why do we allow the Colts to be an opponent? We have a hard <laughs> enough playing the Browns every Sunday. We don't need to play the Browns, our opponent, and the weather. Like, you know, I feel like two on one is enough, you know. But that's just – I know a lot of people are attached to the ideal of, you know, playing outdoors because that's all they've ever seen Cleveland Browns football in, and that's what makes it feel like Cleveland Browns football to, to them. And I understand that. But I also understand that, look, two years after you get that dome built and you get used to them, if they go 12 and four in that dome, dog, yeah, you ain't going to be talking about it. It don't feel like football. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just going to become the new vibe. So, like, again, like, we cling on to this because we just don't have much to cling on to because this team has literally stunk, like, been one of the worst franchises <laughs> since 2013. Like, it's not even debatable. Um, but, you know, the hope is you built the dome, you have success, and then we can, you know, have more success. Because right now, a lot of us aren't even talking about memories we have in this stadium that we want to replace. We talk about memories that we had in the stadium that's been replaced for 20 plus years. Yep. That's why <laughs> that people want to hold on to this. So if the, if, if the Browns get to an AFC championship game in the dome, dog, we will forget about all of our trepidations about the dome <laughs> the second we get an AFC championship game. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. like, I, I don't think we will care as much as we care right now when it's hypothetical. Then when we're just like, well, they play in a dome. You know, and sometimes <laughs> I think teams just need to say, ah, you'll be all right. You'll be mad for like two days, but you'll be all right. You'll sit in the dome. Be like, oh, look at the big scoreboard. Look, I can see it. You you want to see fantasy football scores in the stadium like Browns fans? Because you don't see it in half the stadium at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Get a dome. They put screens all over the place. You ain't got to worry about weather damage and nothing like that. It's great. We don't have to worry about kickers or nothing like that or being the hardest place to kick. That's not worked out for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just build a dome. Throw the football. Kick the football. And if we stink, at least we know it's because we stink. You know? <laughs> Just one less it's very fair. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Spring is in the air, and that can only mean one thing. 
spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. With 50% off site-wide, grab all your favorites like perfectly aged, tender steaks, ocean-fresh seafood, juicy burgers, incredible air-chilled chicken, and decadent desserts. Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S at checkout, you'll get an extra $30 off your order. It's the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use code DOGS at checkout. Take advantage of this deal right now. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, and you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. So don't miss your chance to save big right now. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, at checkout. Get that additional $30 off when you shop their semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, so speaking of <laughs> AFC championship games, uh, I think if we ever want to make one, we needed to make a change on the defensive side of the ball. Browns did so this year, brought in Jim Schwartz. What did you think of the hire? And can you tell the people what they can expect to see out of a Jim Schwartz defense? Competence. That's what they <laughs> hired is competence. A competent professional defensive coordinator. He has been a defensive coordinator for 20 plus years. He comes from the Jeff Fisher system. He 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 is competent at the end of the day. Now, is his defense going to blow your mind? Is it going to be like new world-changing stuff like the 49ers do? No. But guess what? When you have Miles Garrett, you don't got to get that creative. That's why you have Miles Garrett, right? Like you don't draft Miles Garrett because you want to get creative with how you use him and all. You draft Miles Garrett because they got to get creative on how to stop him. Um, it, which allows you to become very simple on the other side of the ball. The Browns' issue on the defensive side of the ball has been, for whatever reason, it hasn't been competent. The talent's been there. The management of it has not been competent. Either guys don't know the plays, either the calls are too complicated, whatever it is that other all other 30 teams are in the NFL are able to get through it with defense, we just ain't. You know, so that's been the issue for this defense is they haven't been competently ran that's what Jim, Jim Schwartz brings. He's competent. He knows what works. He knows what he needs. He is very experienced. He's not going to have a lot of questions on game day, right? Joe Woods, that was his first run as a defensive coordinator. I hope, well, he's going to get another run and uh, technically another run um, in, in New Orleans. So good for him. But he just wasn't the man for this job. He wasn't experienced enough for this job. Um, and that showed on game day. What Jim Schwartz is bringing is competence. Now, would that be the best defense in the NFL? I don't know, but with this talented group, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the top 10 in the NFL because 
I just don't feel like it's hard to be have a good defense when you have JOK, when you have Miles Garrett, when you have Denzel Ward, when you have Greg Newsom, when you have talented players. It should not be this hard to put together a good defense. But for whatever reason, we've made our life hard. And the best example I can give you on why I think this defense is going to be much better, there's times where this Browns defense is running like normal, and we watch it, and like we're like, this is the like the thing with the Browns defense over the last three years is like there's either portions where you see them play and you go, this might be the best defense in the NFL. <laughs> like those first three, like the the, the game against the Panthers is a perfect yep. example. Yep. Those first three quarters, that looked like the best defense in football, and we were convinced. And then the fourth quarter happened, and we realized <laughs> we had issues, right? <laughs> but, like, that that's what it was. It was like, hey, when they're not making mistakes, when they're not in their own head, when they're not making mental errors, this is a talented group. It's, it's the most talented group in the NFL, and it looks like it. And then the stupid stuff happens and the guys stop believing in it. And then, then we get the Buffalo game. Um, so that that's that's partly what's kept Joe Woods' his job for three years is because, like, this defense has the spark, the chance to show you, like, how good they can be. But I think that's partly the problem is that we know this defense is good because we see it. It's just whatever – there's something stopping it from being good consistently, and I felt like it was – incompetence on the defensive side and just inexperience. That's what Jim, Jim Schwartz is bringing you is experience is competence. I don't, he's, he's going to play regular old defense, right? Like I hope we ain't talking about zone versus prevent. I think a lot of that was overblown um, because a lot of it was just like people assuming that certain things are going <laughs> on because of the result. Um, the, the, the truth of the matter was is that people just didn't know where they were supposed to be consistently enough to play consistent defense in the NFL. And when that's the case, and I think he said it in his press conference interview, he's not, you're not going to see this on this on, on game. Day, <laughs> right? Like guys not knowing where they're supposed to be. If that was eliminated the last three years, the Browns might've went to an AFC championship game like once or twice. You know, if we just didn't have this every Sunday, because I can count like 10 wins over the last two years that would have been wins instead of losses because of this like we just didn't know oh, you were supposed to be there i thought i was supposed to be here like how is denzel ward a pro bowler a multiple time pro bowler off a first team nfl player and john johnson a pro bowler how are they not able to run cover two <laughs> any like these are like this is like the when, when that's like two PhD students not being able to do basic algebra. And at some point you have to ask, is the calculator broken? Like something's <laughs> go clearly gone wrong because these two are capable of it. And that's where I was like, there's got to be a breakdown with communication that starts with coaching because John Johnson and Denzel Ward should not be arguing each other about where they should be on the field because these are two players. We know they good. We know they're both good. We've seen them both be good. So the fact that they could not be good in concert, this isn't like a Baker Odell thing where it's like the chemistry wasn't there. There's no chemistry really with that. That's just running a play. They can't run a play functionally. No defense is going to be good no matter the talent there. And I just think with Jim Schwartz there, you're going to be able to run plays functionally. And this defense is going to be so much better just because they will be functional. I think I had a football coach growing up who always said, if you're thinking, you're stinking. So I just felt like in, in Joe Wood's defense, they just – too much second-guessing themselves. I think Jim Schwartz is going to simplify it so much where they're going to be reacting based on instinct, a lot less thinking, and it's going to allow them to play fast and aggressive. So uh, he was the guy I, I wanted them to hire, so I was I was excited to see it. 
and it's like this like it might not be that he was asking him to do too much it's like how he's communicating it yeah. to them we all have people like that aren't the greatest communicators in the world because like they they think of too much at one time and they're like hey hey john i need you to i need you to cover the flat but also like you know do this and that and it's like ah too much at one time mm-hmm. and it's hard to figure out what's the order of operations there right and that's partly because uh, Joe Woods is inexperienced, so he might have just been giving him the rules like he would give a DB coach, and the DB coach would give the rules like that, knowing I have time to fix this up. But as a defensive coordinator, he doesn't have time to work with that position group and make sure that those things are fixed. So it might have been like just barely poorly given out, and then the rules are different between different players, and it just wasn't thought out as this big piece of a defense. So then when it gets played, there's a lot of questions. Jim Schwartz has been running this defense for a while. The, it, 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 I'm going to use a video game analogy. Jim Schwartz, his defense is a game that's been patched for like three years. Like all the bugs <laughs> are gone. The game has been, you're not going to go in there and things are going to start glitching out. It's been beta, it's been bug tested thoroughly. He's been doing this for a while. Joe, Joe Woods, we had that day one patch and we just, it was like cyberpunk when it first released. <laughs> it was like, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it keep crashing. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it is that we all we were running the beta when it comes with uh with uh Joe Woods' defense. I think Jim Schwartz is gonna be a much more established, like, hey, this is how this is done and this is done for this reason. So the lines of communication are just gonna be much clearer and guys are gonna understand what they're gonna do. I don't even think it's gonna be more simple. I don't think that was the issue. I think it's just gonna be communicated better in the complexity complex parts of this defense are going to be understood better because it comes from somebody who has taught those year in and year out and year in and year out at high level. So a good point. that, that, that matters a lot. Yep. So the, the Browns this week made another coaching change, uh, letting uh, Mike Prefort go. The special teams were, you know, I feel like everybody knew there were a problem, but they were more focused on the defense. The special teams were not great the last couple of years. Uh, were you surprised that the prefer firing came when it did? And then what do you think of the Ventrone hiring? Oh, the above Ventrone hires a, is a home run. Um, you look at his history, at least on pro football focus, every year he's been there. They've been plus 12 in the NFL, um, plus five uh, for three years there. So he, he's a very good special teams coordinator and, I say this a lot because I hear this from guys in the NFL when they talk about it. Special teams coordination is less about like the X's and O's and a lot about the Jimmy's and Joe's when it comes to this, where it's like, how can you work your relationships with people, right? Because you're talking about guys who were the best player at a very good SEC school and it feel like, hey, Greedy Williams, how about you want to try Gunner? And you have to convince somebody <laughs> who was a second round pick, you know, like, if there's like when you play football, you know that there's certain things that if you're good enough to play this position, you're not going to be asked to do special teams, right? Special teams is for the people that are trying to find themselves. If, unless you have like a coach who's like real hell bent on the starters playing special teams, it's usually how that goes. So you go uh, your whole football career thinking, ah, yeah, I'm a good, I'm good at outside corner. I don't got to do those special team stuff. That's for, that's for the young guys. And then you get to the pros, and now you one of them guys that they're gonna throw into the fodder as special teams. Somebody has to be able to convince you to do that and convince you to do that well. It's not like complex stuff that they're being taught, but it's still a new position. And Bubba Ventrone 
if he's that good at special teams coordinator, it tells me he's a good communicator. And communication is also one of the things I felt like was an issue with this head coaching staff where we weren't communicating roles effectively to players or in ways that players were receptive to because every year, even though I think Kevin's a good coach, Kevin should stay, um, and he's he's technically brilliant, I think he has some issues where it comes to how he communicates these ideals with players because every year we hear about players having an issue with their role and how they were talked to and all this, and it's partly because they're not good at that, right? They didn't have that diversity of minds in there. Now they have an experienced coach in Jim Schwartz in there who's been doing this a while, former head coach, guy's been in the league forever, knows how to talk to players, is not perceived as an asshole. Um, <laughs> and then you have Raven Trone, who's a former player, played. I caught myself because I said recently, and this was like he, his last season was 2014, which <laughs> feels recent to me. Yeah, I, totally I know. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, so 2014, he was in the league recently, well, in this era. So he knows how things go. He's also in a prominent position in leadership. So he's able to talk to different guys that maybe Jim Schwartz is not able to, right? I think that's been part of the issue is that when guys have issues, it always comes out because there's nobody for them in, in top leadership to talk to them to satisfy their issue. Now there's a better chance of that getting caught. And when that stuff gets caught, your team's going to get better because they're going to be able to work together better and understand which roles they're going to get. So I think the offseason hires were pretty much best case scenario. I don't think they could have done much better than what they did. Um, and I think that's a positive sign, right? One of the things I wanted Kevin to do in the offseason was get rid of some assistants, wipe out some of the co assistant coaching staff and get experience and former players on staff. And that's what they've done. So I can't sit here and turn around and be critical of it when that's exactly what I wanted it to do. So I feel good about it. Now, will it be successful? There's been a lot of times I felt really good about something. <laughs> Me too, man. It just didn't work. My whole out. life. It, it My just, whole life. Yeah, you know, like sometimes we just be unlucky. Like it don't even be that we did anything wrong. It's just we weren't lucky that year. Um, so that could always play out. But I think that they're they're doing the best to maximize their odds is what I'll put it as. I think that's a very good point, too, with like the communication styles, because I think I've said it on our show before. Stefanski kind of reminds me of, of an engineer is, you know, he works at a factory and he's a manager because he's smart and processes, but then he'll go up to his employee and just like be extremely blunt and make the kid cry and go to the bathroom and cry. <laughs> he just didn't know how to communicate with the way yeah, you want to well, say it to people. And I just think that was a really good point. Well, Bill used to have this issue, right? Um, mm -hmm. Sean Payton used to have this issue, right? Where Bill just didn't know how to communicate with people. And if you look at Bill's first six seasons in the NFL, he had one winning season, I believe, in those first six. It took him, like, that's crazy to think about. Bill <laughs> Belichick, of all people. But it's because Bill was largely in the part of the reason he got ran out of Cleveland, wasn't allowed back into uh, Baltimore when they changed franchises, was because, like, Bill, and this is known at that time, was an asshole. Like, he was a much <laughs> less... Like, he's not like Mr. Cutley Bill Belichick now or anything like that. But he's learned to soften up and to be able to communicate guys and talk to guys better um, with that. But they just weren't able to communicate. They had a lot of brilliant people in that coaching staff in, in 94, 95, right? Nick Saban uh, and, and Bill Belichick. But they were both at stages of the careers where they just – they knew they were brilliant. They knew they knew what they were talking about. But they didn't understand the people element of this is like, hey, people ain't just going to believe you You know what you talk about just because you write, right? You need to be able to make them feel good about you being right. And that is a difficult thing for a lot of people to learn. And I think Kevin's going to have to learn like, hey, 
is Kevin right about a lot of stuff he draws up on offense? I would pretty much say, yeah, like it, the, the, the numbers were suggested. He's made every quarterback that he's touched for a full season better. Like mm-hmm. you can look at it. Baker had his best year. Kirk had his best year. Um, and Jacoby had his best year under him. That's not a coincidence. He's very good at that. But again, just because you write, don't be people going to believe you. And sometimes people could go about being right in a really in a really aggressive manner because they know they right, right? And that can put off people. So I think he's learning, okay, you know, being right is not as important as being able to communicate effectively and being able to have people that can help me communicate this effectively. You have all the right answers, but at the end of the day, Kevin ain't answering the questions on the test. 53 players are. So he has to figure out a way to get that to those guys, and that's the thing. Uh, so I think defensively, we know we need to revamp defensive line, maybe linebacker. I guess it depends on how you feel about guys like JOK and if Taki Taki's going to come back. Um, offensively, I've heard receiver, that kind of thing. Is there any free agent targets or I've even heard, you know, possible guys like we could maybe trade for in terms of, I've heard DeForest Buckner's name throw around. I don't know if that's a realistic possibility. Is there anybody you got your eye on? I talked that DeForest Buckner thing out of thin air. Uh, but yeah, DeForest Buckner. Buckner's one where I'm like, hey, that makes sense um, because I don't know where Indy thinks they're going, right? Now, some teams think they're going in a positive direction when they're not. I don't know where Indy thinks they're going, right? I think they're in a point where they need to go full rebuild, uh, and DeForest Buckner would be sitting there with it make sense for them to have at 29 at the cap hit that he is. So I think it would make sense to go after him. And I don't think the Browns are thinking of every defensive tackle as just a defensive tackle. I think they're thinking of them as a complimentary piece to Miles Garrett, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're losing their last complimentary piece in Jadavion Clowney for obvious reasons. So if you're not going to have Jadavion Clowney, who do you replace him with? We're going to instinctively think Edge because Jadavion played Edge. But maybe they want to go in a different direction where DeForest Buckner is the compliment to Miles Garrett or the guy that's going to get some attention off of him. You don't really need somebody on the opposite side to take, quote-unquote, attention. I, I love how it's phrased, like, take attention off Miles Garrett. Unless you could clone Miles Garrett and put Miles Garrett <laughs> on the other side of Miles Garrett, nobody's taking attention away from Miles Garrett. It can be T.J. Watt on the other side. Guess where protections are sliding? Towards 95. Because, <laughs> like, that's who people believe is the most dominant defensive end in football. So you're not necessarily going to take attention away from them. But what you can't have is somebody who can break the game if they're given more opportunities in single, uh, in, in one-on-one situations. And that's what DeForest Buckner can bring you, right? Um, Jadavion was not that. Jadavion was somebody who could help you in a run game and create some pressures, but he wasn't going to break the game there for you. DeForest Buckner has shown to be that, right? He worked great opposite of Nick Bosa in that 2019 um San Francisco 49ers defense. I think that's more way, more or less the operate the way that they're going to go, and I think that's what they've learned is they tried to go to traditional sense where it's like, hey, we're going to put another big edge across from Miles Garrett, and that's going to split the attention. Some dudes are so good that this, you're never going to split the attention. Like Baltimore is always kicking three over to Miles Garrett. It don't matter who's healthy. That's what they're doing. The plan for Miles is the plan for Miles. Um, so. You need to have something to where somebody else can affect the game so much to where in the middle of the game they have to go, oh, we got to do something about this. Maybe take a guy off miles, and then that's where you can start to break some offensive lines is when they have to do mismatch in the middle of the game. Um, 
But that's what I would look for. Uh, the Forrest Buckner would be fine there. Deron Payne's been thrown around. I don't think he fits the mode in what they're looking for, to be honest. He's a really good player, but I don't think he – like, the Forrest Buckner makes more sense there than Deron Payne to me. Um, they could go the veteran route where they go like a Dalvin Tomlinson and just try to fill this up with guys. I wouldn't be surprised if the edge rushers – that aren't Miles Garrett get smaller, right? Arden Key is somebody I think that could be a, a real uh, target for the Browns. You know, smaller, quicker guys, kind of similar to how they use Tack McKinley for like those four weeks that Tack was on the team where he played well <laughs> um, and kind of use him as an extra, you know, five wide rusher. So again, they're moving to that, um, that wide nine too. That's another mm-hmm. Jim Schwartz staple. So you're going to have guys outside of tight ends now. Um, instead of inside tackle, inside guard. So that's going to change the body composition of what you're looking for on the edge. So I think lighter edges and bigger bigger guys in the interior is where they're going to uh, focus in on. And remember, you look at Jim Schwartz defenses, you're talking about really big, like big power ends in three techs, you know, uh, Javon Hargraves. Uh, we're talking about Hank, uh, <laughs> Nick Fairley and, and Dominican Sue in, in, in Detroit. That's what traditionally works there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they really try hard to get somebody like a DeForest Buckner to pair with Miles because given what they've run before in that defense, that's what would make the most sense when it comes to trying to replace the attention that Jadavion has with somebody else. I think DeForest might be somebody they want to look at. I would be pumped for DeForest for sure. Uh, so as far as like the NFL draft, assuming a roster looks pretty much how it is right now, uh, so not factoring in like free agency and trades, who would you want to see the Browns go after? Oh, there's a player <laughs> I think I, I, I like a lot. Um, now he plays center. And some people don't think center's an immediate need. I say, who says center's not an immediate <laughs> need, right? Because Ethan Posick's not under contract. You already have a bunch of offensive linemen under a new deal. So, like, what, what are the odds that you want to spend more money on another offensive lineman? That's only been good for, like, 12 games. Um, Nick Harris have no idea if his body can hold up as a center in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Didn't really hold up that first game. Um, and he's already undersized. But there's a center, and I know some of you guys might be Ohio State fans. You might not like him. But Osagun, Oluwatimi, whew, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> Nobody's talking about him. Um, but I'm pretty sure Ohio State fans are familiar because there are two plays that he sprung off in the middle of that game that kind of broke that game wide open from the ground game. He is really good. I don't know why nobody's talking about him. Maybe it's because he plays center. But this is a dude who was – I believe he was All-American in two different conferences, which tells you, like, he's pro-ready. This man was in – he played at three different schools, Air Force, Virginia, and Michigan, and he was great all-conference at every school that he played at. He kind of left Virginia, it feels like, because he was just bored, went to Michigan (laughs) and dominated in the Big Ten, got his most honors in the Big Ten. Um this is a really good player. The fact that he changed schools so often and was able to dominate like year one that he changed tells me that this 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 is an NFL-ready player because he could just learn a new offense and get ready like that. He's bigger than Nick Harris. He's more NFL-ready than Nick Harris. And I think you get him there, you're not worrying about center for the next four years because he's going to be under contract uh, under probably a second or third round contract, and you're going to be fine there because he's going to come in day one and be your center, and we're not going to worry about that. And you put him next to two great cards like we have right here. Oh, he'll be your your the run game will be fine. Uh, Deshaun Watson, at least up the middle, 
he'll be all right. We know he creates kind of his own problems when it comes to his edge pressure because Deshaun, he takes really big steps in these pass sets, but that's a whole nother issue for a whole nother <laughs> day. Um, but yeah, I think Osagun Oluwatimi, he, he right now of all the players I looked at is the one where I'm like, man, I don't know why you can get him in mock drafts in the third round. Like that doesn't make any sense to me, but if that's true and he is there in the third round, I would fly in to the podium <laughs> to take all the to me there. As a, um, I uh, think that's an absolute deal. As Ohio State fans who are Browns fans and also a big DPJ fan, I think I can speak for Browns slash Ohio State fans. When, if they're from Michigan and they come in and they perform – we're happy to have. Them. <laughs> if you're Braylon Edwards, look, you were okay for a year. Then you, can, you know, maybe not so much. And we don't know how di- we don't know how down he get with Michigan. You know, he was only there one year. That's you true. Know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, we don't know if this is a Russell Wilson situation where he still claimed the other school. Like it could be one of those where it's like that's it's a grad school. You don't claim grad school as hard as you claim your undergrad, right? Like that's not usually how it goes. So who knows? He might still be in there going hard for. Virginia and just was like I was at Michigan for a year you know what I mean <laughs> we don't know how hard he takes it you know so so maybe maybe just assume if, if you're a Browns fan has an issue with that just say hey he went to Virginia for real you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like only one year at Michigan. I was gonna say maybe nobody's talking about him because you really got to practice I think to say his name can you do it one more time yeah I was very impressed yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Osagun Oluwatimi. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to like have to spell it out phonetically and like practicing in the mirror. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. If he's if he's that great and he comes to Cleveland, we'll learn it quick. But, well, hey, man, we're going to let you get out of here. We kept you for 43 minutes. We appreciate you being here. Um, thanks so much for being here. If you haven't subscribed to Quincy's uh, YouTube yet, make sure you do so. Also, you can find him on Twitter at Quincy. You got any other socials we want to plug? Or is that pretty much it? That's pretty much it. Okay, those if are the big ones. Else finds me anywhere else they can find me. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, once again, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy listening to this episode. Um, and it was awesome meeting you kind of in person for the first time. So thanks again. Thank you, man. You guys have a great day. You too, too man. All right, well, we're going to wrap this one up today. We appreciate Quincy being here with us. Uh, hopefully, you guys all enjoyed the episode. You guys have been telling us now for a couple of years. We should try to get him on. We finally pulled the trigger, did it, got him on the show, and I think it turned out great. So big shout-out to him. And, again, if you haven't followed him yet or you liked what you heard and you haven't heard of him before somehow, go check him out on YouTube. He's got a ton of good content, uh, Browns-related. So go check him out. Uh, big thank you to him for being here. And uh, we appreciate you guys all listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.